Welcome to the Hilltop United Methodist Church podcast. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye. We're going to uh, start the season where we read uh, Luke uh, quite a bit. The church year is divided up into three different years. They have really clever names, okay? It's year A, year B, and year C. Um, They obviously needed somebody who had a marketing background to come up with better titles. You can think of it as sort of the year of Matthew, the year of Mark, the year of Luke, if you want to. Uh, And Luke is 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 a long gospel, and we pepper... Uh, John into all three of those years, we're going to be primarily focused on Luke. Luke was a physician and he was a traveling companion with Paul. And if you read in Acts, which Luke also wrote, uh, about halfway through the book of Acts, the pronouns change from from he or they to we. Uh, So it's an indication perhaps of the fact that Luke was journeying on that as well. The reading today might seem a little odd to our ears. We're going to start this Advent season and the reading is going to have this apocalyptic, eschatological, end time kind of sound to it. But as I do the reading, I want you to also listen there for the hope of the kingdom of God, the reign of God in our now as well. It's, our, it's this chance for us to both hear about the end time and God will win. That will be the winning at the end of the story. But we also have this time we have to live in now. We could, if we're not careful, only focus on the, the tough times that we have and what Jesus in this parable that he's going to tell after he talks about the end time is to remind us to see the kingdom in the now. See the kingdom here in our own time looking at it. So it's this tension between the fact that the kingdom is not, is not yet, but elements of it are already here. I'm going to be reading to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 25 through 36, and I'm on page 85 of the New Testament section of your pew Bible. The speaker here is Jesus. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the distress among... and, and Let me start over again. I I think I skipped a line. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power, and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves 
and know that summer is already near. Summer is already near. So also when you see these things take place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. For that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be God. Amen. We stand here on this first Sunday of Advent, and I want to offer you a thought or three about the fact that we need to hear the Scripture, think about the seasons, not in an either-or mentality. It's either the kingdom is here or we're at the end time. But rather, start to think about some of this stuff in a both-and kind of sentiment. We're talking here about the end of time, but Jesus has been resurrected and is with us. We come in here and we're going to talk a little bit uh, as we get ready for the arrival of the Christ child. So you, you have this, Jesus is being both a child and an adult. You have this idea of the fact that we've got Holy Week out there. So you've got this both suffering and resurrection. You've got this uh, element of the fact that Jesus is already been resurrected, but this, there's this not yet element to the nature of our, of our lives that are there. And what does Jesus say to the disciples in this conversation? It's be alert, be awake. If you're asleep, wake up. The, the word in Greek actually has a borderline military component to it. For those of us that are retired from the military, had some time in the military, we think about standing watch. Standing watch. The Navy, by the way, serves four meals a day. All right, And the, that fourth meal they serve is for the night watch. They come on. It's a chance for them to make sure that they get fed as well. But the word here is to be watchful, to be alert, to pay attention, to watch out for what is about to happen, what is going on around us. And the commandment, the instructions there for us are to be close and be paying attention. We are expected to be both preparing and also at the same time ready. Preparing and ready. The, the season that we are in, one of Advent, is a season for us to deal with the mystery of the birth, the mystery of, the, of Jesus' time with us, but also the majesty of knowing that Easter is, will come and that we know that Christ will indeed be part of our life as resurrected. It's a chance for us to stop and be in reflection as to who we are and whose we are, but still operate off of the idea of expectation of the arrival of the Christ child on that Christmas day. So we're invited to live 
in this tension between the already and the not yet. But Jesus says for us to be alert, be about our task, to be ready for this coming. And what are we to be doing while we're being alert? We're not supposed to just be sitting there watching the sky, waiting for something to happen, although some think that that's a a good strategy. I would say what we're supposed to be about is being like we talked about last week, this idea of Christ the King being important to us, sufficiently important to us that we emulate our lives like him. Christians means little Christs. So we lead our lives in such a way that we can look like Christ in what we do. Now, I want to come to an illustration for you in how we might do this. And I want you to emphasize to you, this is just simply one idea of almost an infinite number of ideas that you could, you could see and or do for yourself. But Jesus invites us to be compassionate, but he also invites us to be people of justice. Now, where do I go with that? Let's, let's focus, for example, on the issue of homelessness. When we go to the Salt Lake Rescue Mission, and we sing to them and we preach to them and affirm their dignity and worthiness and we, we feed them that night and we come down for the big, the big giveaway that we do uh, closer to Christmas and give them shoes and we give them socks and gloves and coats and scarves and all of those things. We are focused there on acts of compassion. And God calls us to do that, to be compassionate people as to what it is that we do. So that's part of how we could look like being Christians in the world, like being Christ in the world. But there's another side of that, which often gets preachers in trouble. It gets preachers in trouble and accused of meddling at times because God also calls us to focus on the justice issue of why it is that we have homelessness in the first place. It's not only focused on the action of compassion to deal with the homelessness at that particular place and time of giving them warm gloves or dry socks or a new sleeping bag, but it's also the fact of why do we have homelessness in the first place? This is not the whole story, but we acted out of compassion in the 1960s and the 1970s. I'm from Georgia and there was a place in Georgia called Central State Hospital, and it was in Milledgeville, Georgia. And it was where the people who were uh, institutionalized who were uh, psychiatric patients, all right? Now, I'm mindful of the fact that the people that got discharged in 1970 from Milledgeville are probably not homeless today, but it's the category of person, the type of person that would have been institutionalized in Milledgeville in 1965, 1970, and those kinds of places existed throughout the country, and they have been discharged. And where are many of them? They are homeless. They are homeless. And why did we discharge them? We discharged them as an act of compassion. We did it because we wanted to be compassionate and said, this person is not such a psychiatric issue. They need to be institutionalized and warehoused. We can can do something with them and let them out. Unfortunately, what we did is we discharged them and we didn't build the systems that would cause them to be cared for or nurtured or we put them like in Atlanta so far out of town they couldn't get there. It wasn't part of the public transportation system. 
And I'm sure you can repeat the story of happened in various states around. It wasn't always exactly the same. But we operated out of compassion, but we forgot the justice side of the equation. And that's what goes on here in Salt Lake. That's not my testimony to you. I will say to you that one of the things that I have heard people witness to me is the, the doctor, the psychiatrist who handles the Salt Lake County Jail will say, I, I am the psychiatrist, I do mental health care at the largest mental health treatment facility in the state of Utah. And where is that? It's the jail. So we have operated out of compassion but did, did we focus any on the justice side of the equation? I would say we did not. Now, I want to come to what it is that Jesus might expect of us. And I was talking with John Davidson a little bit about the differences of the two parables between Matthew and Luke. In Matthew, there's this parable where eight talents are given away. Five are given to one man, two are given to one man, a servant, one are given to one servant. And there comes back a moment of accountability, and he goes through that, and he chews out the one who just buries the talents and doesn't do anything with those. In the Luke passage, it's not anywhere near as great amount of money. It's not a talent, but it's, it's a mina, M-I-N-A, which is about one-sixtieth of a talent. And he gives all ten of the servants one of these, uh, this mina for them to invest. And then he comes back and gets the accountability from one, and he, he's done something very similar to the first guy in the other parable. He's done very well by it. He asked the second one, how have you done? He's done well, but not as well as the first guy. And the third gentleman, he's taken his mina, his talent, so to speak, and he's buried it, and he's not done anything with it. And Jesus is very annoyed over this. Is that a fair statement, John, annoyed? John's nodding his head. I, I used the right word. So he's annoyed with this. Now the question might be, what happened to the other seven? Where's the, what's going on with them? Where are we in this story? I wonder if we're perhaps one of the seven. What are we doing? How is it that we're investing ourselves? How is it that we're taking that which God has given us and are making the kingdom just a little bit better by virtue of what we have been given? It's a time, and this time of Advent is a time for us to reflect on who we are and whose we are. It's a chance for us to reflect on the, the mystery of the entire gospel message. And it, it's also a chance for us, though, to live that, not know that we not only live in this period of reflection, but we're invited to know that we have a sense of expectation of what's to come. And that expectation includes the majesty of Jesus. My invitation for us today is to be alert, to be ready, to be on watch, and we do that by accomplishing the tasks that Jesus gives us in the world, focusing not only on the issue of hypothetically compassion, but also focusing as well on the issues of justice. It's easy to rally churches on the issue of compassion. Sometimes it's much more challenging much harder for us to be able to unpack and decipher what it is that we need to do in the areas of justice. But to Jesus, both of those are equally important. Caring for those that are sleeping on the streets, but also asking ourselves the question, why are they there in the first place? Let us be in an attitude of prayer. 
precious and loving God, we know that we can come in and both celebrate your mystery, the mystery of the arrival of the Christ child, the mystery of resurrection, but at the same time celebrate and know that the recognition of the majesty of Christ in our lives can change our very lives. We live in moments of expectation and reflection and let that reflection indeed lead to places where we are your hands and your feet in your world and all of God's children say, Amen. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye.